Um, as a as a midlife man, you generally identify yourself by what you do. And so when you when you lose all of your your assets and your business and your home, you lose your self-esteem along with that. Mm. And, you know, I'm going through the therapist and go, well, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm nothing. I go, well, you're something. If you take everything away, you're still something. What is it? And that's a, it's a profound question. People don't have the opportunity to ask themselves. And when you lose everything, you have to ask that question. Otherwise, you know, why are you here? My name is Paul Harvey, and this is Life, Passion and Business. We're about helping you explore finding your passion for life and the work that you do. But it's so much more than that. It's about finding clues to the big life questions. What does it mean to be successful? What is the meaning of life? If you're looking for more, then join me on this journey, where together we will discover through interviews, tools and tips, how to live life full of meaning, passion and purpose. My guest on the show is Doug Crow, an adventurer, but not in the sense of endurance, but in his desire and hunger for life experience, he has travelled 42 countries and done all seven continents. You know, life is a journey of discovery and we all have a path to follow and some of us struggle to find one and others are hungry to discover them all. Doug learned to fly aeroplanes, he enjoys scuba diving, speaking and writing. As a child of the 60s, he wanted to be an astronaut, didn't we all? He looked to become a commercial pilot, but his eyesight had other plans. Doug went to college and got a degree in media and TV and went into the industry. Now, while earning $3 an hour as a lighting director on a TV show, he heard a guest interview with Robert Allen about no money investing. He did not have the money for the $5,000 weekend boot camp, but he could afford to buy the book. It changed his life. He followed the book and took action and made more money in his first deal than he'd made in his job for the whole year. He says the secret was always to buy with a profit. Because you don't make money when you sell, you make it when you buy. He went on to develop a successful real estate business and a training company teaching others to do the same. And that led on to one of the first real estate radio shows and lots of speaking gigs. And then the 2009 financial crash took it all away. He had 19 foreclosures and went from being a millionaire to have just $54 in his pocket and he was living in the basement of a foreclosed house. Our story is about that rebirth and rediscovery of his identity, who we are and why we do what we do. As he says, we, are, we die naked and broke just as the way we came into this world. Today, Doug is back in the driving seat of his life through publishing. He's an investor, a brand specialist and an accomplished writer. He and his team support CEOs and business owners to tell their story by ghostwriting books that sell and they have hundreds of successful bestsellers on Amazon. Let's join the conversation with Doug Crow. So Doug, this is life, passion and business, and it's all about the exploration of life, how we do this journey. So where did it all start for you? Whereabouts in the world are you and where did it begin? Wow, well, it began in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio in 1960, but that was just, you know, I didn't know what was going on then, I was just born. 
Um, yeah, I've been in the United States for, uh, you know, born, born and raised there, but traveled the world quite extensively. And uh, passions have been many, Paul. We've done a, I've done a lot of things in my life. And uh, from uh, youth leadership to writing books to aviation, scuba diving, traveling, I, I got a lot that I, that I enjoy doing. Ah, an adventurer by the sounds of it. Yes. So what did the, what did the journey start out? What did you want to be when you, when you were small? Well, growing up in the sixties, of course, we all want to be astronauts, right? Because the Apollo of course, program was yeah, a big deal. Yeah, because that was that was the launch of the the race, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, and of course, once uh, um, you know, once my eyesight was cleared for not being a commercial pilot, I became a private pilot. But still, that was um, uh, I got into movies, quite frankly. And um, in high school, we made Super Eight movies, and I got my degree in radio, television, and film. Uh, Northwestern uh, back in the uh, early 80s and uh, stayed in the media pretty much. I was uh, working in television, um, radio, and now we're in publishing. Wow. So yeah. what you behind, were you in front of the camera or behind it? Behind mostly. Now I've got, um, you know, a couple of interviews here and there, but not, not a, you know, I was a host on a radio show, ABC Radio um, in Chicago for a few years, but um, I prefer behind the scenes for the most part. Yeah, would that would that uh, would that would you have called that a successful career for you? Oh yeah, I was. Um, I had actually started investing in real estate, <clears throat> and so we started a real estate uh, radio program, mm -hmm. and that was that was the first one of its kind actually in Chicago, and uh, it did really well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So were you? Was this a passion for you, the real estate stuff? Were you? Were you excited yeah. about this? You know, I was working as a uh, <laughs> as a TV lighting guy, and uh, one of the guests came on for an interview, Robert Allen, talked about no money down investing. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And, uh, you know, I said, after the interview was over, I went up to him and I said, how do you get involved with this real estate thing? Sounds great. Yeah, I cut my weekend seminar here. He's promoting one of those weekend boot camps. And it was like five grand. Um, at the time, I'm making $3.10 an hour as a lighting director for, uh, you know, ABC in Cleveland. And I said, I, I can't afford that, man. He said, well, go to the library and check out one of my books then. So mm -hmm. I did. I went to the library, checked out his book, No Money Down, and started investing in real estate and did very well with that for about 20 years. Oh wow! So that was yeah. that was your that was your route, was it? Yep, yep. I love real estate. It's a lot of fun okay. until it all crashed. Then I got into publishing. <laughs> <laughs> so and then, so what happened then? I mean, it was what's the story for this? How does it how did how did it pan out for you? Do you what? what oh, you know? there's a lot of a lot of uh, you know. That's, that's what we're interested in. We want to know the all story. Right. We want to know the crap bits and the good bits. We want to know the okay. Story. The, the real estate thing was a real hoot, Paul, because I got into it by accident. Like, I'm, you know, just watching this guy, and, you know, on a TV interview. I spent a year just reading about it, thinking about it. I didn't have any money. I was, uh, I had left that job as a waiter and looking to say, how can I invest in real estate? I have, you know, no money, no credit, et cetera. Like, a, you know, a lot of young people starting out. But his book is all about that, how to do things without credit and money. And being young, he had the advantage of being naive. And when I read something, I just did what he said. Most people read that stuff and go, oh, that will never work. But I just figured I would just do what he said. So I made a lot of offers. Most of them rejected, but a couple were accepted and it was no money down. It's like, hey, I'll just pay you monthly for your down payment. And they did. And, uh, you know, made more money in my first real estate deal than I've made all year as a waiter. So I just started doing more and more of that. Um, about it uh, was a time there. I mean, that 80s and 90s was a time of real estate across the world, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. and the UK yeah. was the same. I mean, I think it, I, in that time, my parents sold their house for like 
I don't know, 70,000 or something. And within a year, it was worth 150, the house they'd sold. Yeah. You know, it's a mad time, wasn't it? It was, it was kind of easy, it was kind of hard, hard to lose money in those days. <laughs> like you had to be a real, real idiot. Um, but I did, I, you know, I, I was able to do some rehabs. I purchased um, homes. I purchased um, apartment buildings. I even bought a convent. Imagine running an ad for that one. Hey, looking for 27 nuns to you know, rent out. But I, I made it into a multifamily building and owned office building. And I even bought a, um, a 16 home subdivision off of eBay one year, believe it or not. Okay. Was it, was it, did so, you bid for that on eBay? Was that a bidding war? <laughs> it wasn't. I, um, I saw this. I'm just you know, looking around and I saw this whole subdivision you could buy for homes in, uh, near Raleigh, North Carolina. So I, you know, I sent a guy, hey, I'm interested. He goes, oh, we just sold it to a, comp- to a guy from the UK, actually. And I said, okay, well, if that deal falls through, give me a call. Lo and behold, uh, I think it was like two, three weeks later, they contacted me and said, yep, the deal fell through. I'm like, all right, well, here's my offer. And I offered them no money down. I said, I will, um, I will get a loan for, I think it was 70 or 80% of the value of all 16 houses and the seller will finance my down payment. And they said, yeah. Wow. Okay. So it was, yeah. That must have been some, that must have been quite a tough business to be in though. Or, or was, was that, I mean, were you just young and naive and just carried on regardless? No, I loved it. it was no, nothing was tough about it for me. I, I, I really enjoyed it. There's a few tough nights where I, I was rehabbing a house and, you know, I knew the, uh, the roof wasn't done. It was raining. That was a little stressful. I did, I lost some sleep for a week there, but other than that, um, I always had the, the, position that you don't make money when you sell you make money when you buy so I always bought a piece of property that no matter what i did to it it was a little bit undervalued and i could add value but if i screwed that up i'd still be okay so i never really lost money on i think 90 percent of my properties i always made money on them one deal i kind of broke even and then of course in 2008 you know everything went down the sewer but um, up until that point i did very well i was i um I bought a lot of property. I started a school how to teach others how to invest in real estate. Right. Um, I bought an airplane. I traveled the traveled the country. It was it was a lot of fun. Oh wow! So so because yeah. uh, you mentioned you, you you were looking at becoming a pilot at some stage. Is that that was another one of your passions, wasn't it? Yeah, my dad was a pilot in the in the war, and my <laughs> brother and I both followed in his footsteps and got our private licenses and our instrument ratings. So we enjoy flying quite a lot. And uh, I was looking for an excuse on how I could write it off my taxes. So. I started speaking around the country and looking at real estate outside of my um, my geographic area. So that when I flew there, I could say it was business expense, and it was. Sounds like a good one to me. Yeah, this, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you got some quite some distances for little planes, haven't you? Though, really, they don't, they don't, they're not easy, are they? Well, yeah, you know, America's a pretty big country, so yeah. um, the for business, I stuck around the eastern seaboard. I didn't go much, you know, too far away, but for fun. When I decided to write my first book, my um, my staff said, Doug, you know, I'm speaking on real estate and people come out to me, where's your book? I'm like, I don't have one. And after about six or eight months, this, my staff said, Doug, you have to write a book. I'm like, All right, fine. So I said, we've got these uh, these points for these resorts. You can get out, of, get out of the office. You can't do it here. You're too busy. Get out of here. So there was this resort that I could go to for free for a week in the Turks and Caicos. They're islands, aren't they? Yeah, it's like south of the Caribbean, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll fly down there. And I'd never t- taken that long of a flight before. It took me a couple of days to get down there in my little plane. But it was a great adventure, um, you know, flying over the ocean, you know, engine problems, have to divert, you know, it was a lot of uh, 
a lot of fun. There's a whole new sense of road trip, isn't it? Really? I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. You know, when you're when you're flying in the um, in in the uh, where was it? In the Bahamas, and your engine starts to run rough. Like, oh my gosh, I'm over the water. I have you know, and so I circle up to get a little higher, and I tell the controller, say, I want to divert this other island to have my engine check. He said, which engine's giving you problems, sir? I said, the only engine. <laughs> one. So I, I, I landed, without, landed without incident, even though they rolled the crash trucks and all that for, you know, they were bored. But I, I landed without incident and got it fixed. So it was okay. Well, it sounds, sounds it's, you make it sound so easy. And so like, you know, so it just, just, just like it didn't really matter. You know, I it's, 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 you know, it's aviation talk. There's lots of, um, you know, nuances and details about that. But it's just um, the freedom of flying and the, man, I, I mean, especially now with, uh, airport security and whatnot it's it's a it was a real um it was a real pleasure to have, be able to say i want to go now and then you walk out your plane and you go as opposed to you know taking a taxi going through screening getting a ticket getting delayed get crunched together you know i could get my plane and just go i didn't have to go through any security it's you know it's my all plan. right so that must probably change a bit now i imagine not much. I mean, you, when you get to the airport, you have to go, you know, through a, a, a fence, but I don't have to go through any mail detector to get my own airplane. So, um, yeah, are you still flying now? Uh, no, I haven't flown in a few years. Um, you know, after after that big crash of 2008-9, I um I got into publishing. That's what all the, the books are about. And uh, it's, a, it's a slower road to get to where I was before, but I'm on my way. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the crash must have been pretty nasty for you. Did you lose a lot of property? Is that what happened? Oh gosh, yeah, everything. Um, a lot of people complained or lamented about their, oh, I had a foreclosure, uh, I had a bankruptcy. I'm like, please, I had 19 foreclosures. <laughs> I had, I had uh, you know, a bankruptcy and uh, had gone from, you know, being a millionaire down to having, you know, $54 living in the basement of my foreclosed home. So it was a uh, Ouch, that shift. must have been very um, character building. Yeah, most people have the rags to riches story. I had riches to rags. I went the opposite way. Okay. Went, okay. So how? Do yeah, you it, it was. You know, people always say these things, Paul. Like, well, you know, the look of the silver lining, the blessings, and all that. And while I, I am appreciative, or at least I'm, um, I can find the benefit. I would not have wished that experience on my worst enemy. It was not fun. No. Um, as a as a midlife man. You generally identify yourself by what you do. You know, that's very true. That is that, that is a big conversation that I'm having having at the moment. This idea about how we identify yeah. ourselves. Right. And so when you when you lose all of your your assets and your business and your home, you lose your self esteem along with that. Mm. And you know, I'm going through the therapist and go, well, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm nothing. Go, well, you're something. If you take everything away, you're still something. What is it? And that's a, it's a profound question. People don't have the opportunity to ask themselves. And when you lose everything, you have to ask that question. Otherwise, you know, why are you here? What answer did you get? Um, I am a, a human being who has value and it doesn't happen overnight. You've got to really um, claw your way out of that. Um, as we get older, while I still want to, you know, attain more assets and build, build my foundation, it's less of a chase and more of a like, you know what, I also want to enjoy my life. So from that point forward, I did try to travel more. And I've been to all seven continents, 43 countries, and appreciate life experience, as opposed to just acquire accumulating um, things, 
you know, we can't take our things with us, right? We're going to die naked and broke just the way we came in. So um, you might as well enjoy it while you're here. You've just answered the success question without me actually asking it. Oh, well. <laughs> it's important. I mean, you can't, you, it's, uh, it's funny. You can't help the poor by being one, but you can't also focus so much on material things that you forget about the things that are really important. You know, family, friends, experiences, serving. There's a lot of things that are- um, A lot of very miserable, wealthy people. Yes, yes. And there's a lot of happy people who are broke. So obviously money isn't, isn't the answer, but security is important part of Maslow. We can't, you can't be, um, you know, altruistic and broke. It doesn't work. You got to have some foundation to work from. Mm. So you are in the basement and you obviously pulled yourself out of, out of your funk. Yeah. And what, what, what was the, what was the upload for you? Man. Well, the, the, the journey that pulling myself out was kind of a funny one. It's, um, you know, I, I've always been a, I was voted most likely to, likely to succeed in high school. I was class president, homecoming king, was positive guy. And here I am in the, in the you know, fetal position, crying my eyes out in, the, in, in my basement. Oh, woe is me. And so, well, when I get, what, am I, what are you going to do? Well, I'll go back to those books that I read. I read, I'll reread some more Zig Ziglar or some more of this stuff. And on my journey as a young, a young man, those books helped form my personality and shaped me into a positive guy. As a broken, you know, bankrupt guy, I read these same books. I'm like, oh, they're garbage. <laughs> I, I hate this guy. He doesn't do anything for me now. I tried. I put the CDs in. I'm listening. I'm reading. But I'm, I'm still too broken and clouded to get the message, you know. Well, Doug, you know, most millionaires have been broke 2.2 times in their life. Well, I, I don't care. It's still painful. So I'm driving on the road one day, putting CDs in, trying to get myself pumped up again. Nothing's working. I put this one CD in and nine months of clinical depression gone in six seconds. Wow. I was like instantly happy. Like, who is this guy? As I'm pulling the CD out, I go, oh no. It was me. Ah. <laughs> I didn't recognize my own voice for about six seconds. I'm like, who is this guy? I feel really good now. I'm like, it was me doing a goal setting seminar for my real estate students. And just hearing that energy and that voice woke me up to like, that is you. You just got crusty, right? So remove the crust, get back on the horse and go for it. Now, just because I felt better instantly doesn't mean I, you know, money came instantly. It still took several years to build back up to where I could travel and have a, uh, you know, a life and all that. Um, but it was a, it was an interesting way to go from riches to rags where I was like broken and like, well, don't forget who you were before. And uh, it, it worked. So from that, I started working. How could I help other people? Right. So what if I gave people a voicemail from the future or I created this whole interactive book thing where somebody um, would uh, input their their goals their family history, whatnot, and a personality question. And when they fill this format online in the mail, a week later would come this actual book with their picture in the back cover. And when they opened it up, it was written in their own personality about their own personal goals. It was a 30-day action plan to achieve their goals. Then they get this text message from, the, you know, from themselves saying, hey, Tubby, you know, drink some water before lunch today. Or, hey, you can do it. I believe in you. So whatever the personality was, the book, the text message, and the email would all be written in their own personality to reaffirm their goals and to, you know, to help them out of their, out of their funk. So 
it was a really cool interactive book thing that I created. And I'm, you know, very excited about it, pitching it to a pretty well-known guy out in California. And he said, oh, that's a cute idea, Doug. What, what do you want with a $100 product? Why don't you just write a full-size book for people charge like, you know, 20 grand. And so I started doing that. Stay with us for part two and get to hear how Doug developed his publishing business. It is fascinating to hear about the full concierge service that takes someone's concept idea right the way through to a published book, a successful published book. But Doug and his team also have a system and a service which is more of a done with you process to get your book published. So if you're interested in book publishing and getting your ideas out into the world, stay with us to the end of this show. What, charging 20 grand for a book? Well, it's, it's more than that now, but at the time it was 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on a minute. I'd like, unpack that for me. You, you wrote a book and you sold the book to a, an organization for 20 grand, did you say? It, the right now, we, we started out doing this, this generic templated book. We had okay. four versions of a goal-setting book okay. that was written in four different personalities. So what yeah. the personality was, they inputted their own data and they would get a physical book in the mail that, was, that sounded like them. Right. And I had this whole thing set up for organizations Hey, you can have your own interactive book to help you achieve your goals. Right. And it was a hundred dollar product, but I, I got it in front of a guy who's no longer with us, Chet Holmes. And Chet was a New York times bestseller. He yeah, worked yeah, with Tony Chet Robbins, Holmes. right? I, I know of Chet Holmes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So Chet looked at it and said, this is a cute idea, but I don't want to give this to my people. I want, want you to charge a lot more and, you know, do a full size custom book. Mm. So I got into doing that. We've got a team of ghostwriters and editors and, and people to help create books for CEOs and, and leadership experts who want to have their own book, but don't want to write. And we don't use that Bex, we don't use an interactive system. We actually have a journalist and ghostwriter and editor do it for them. So it takes months, not, not weeks. So they go and meet them and talk to them and then get, get the yeah. stuff. Yeah, we've got a, a couple of journalists on staff that will generally do Zoom calls or a couple in, in, in person if they'd like uh, and go through their life story, their USP, what they want to achieve. And we'll also create probably a curriculum out of it for a tutorials for a, um, a video course, or I've got one guy who wants to do um, events. So we're helping him create his events for, you know, based on his book. So it's a whole, it's a whole like uh, platform in a box. We'll get him a, you know, on some podcasts like this and, and make him slightly famous and put him in the media. I've got a former producer with Good Morning America on staff that we help people um, get media attention as well for their book. So it's a- I can imagine bigger. they pay highly for that service. Yeah, it's it's not it's not inexpensive. It's it's for people of means for sure. It's you know it's it's up there. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So so you're you're out of the basement then, by the sounds of it. Having yeah, no, I'm in the third floor and I'm overlooking the pool. It's nice. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's a jump, isn't it? From from that book you wrote to that that stage. I mean, is that that's yeah. how many years did that take you? Oh boy, that took um a few <laughs> years. Oh, let me think. I was uh 2010 till. Yeah, maybe maybe two years to, to make that turn. <clears throat> but in the meantime, I that interactive book, I did I did um a couple of programs with New York Life and Rotary who used it and they enjoyed it. It's just that when, when Chet gave his two cents on it, I'm looking at you know a hundred bucks versus you know 20 grand. I'm like, okay, well, that's a pretty easy decision to make. So I mm -hmm. I changed it up. Yeah, well, I mean there, that is very true, isn't it? Sometimes the, the effort it takes to sell a hundred dollar product is very similar to what it takes to sell a twenty dollar, twenty twenty thousand dollar product. Yes. And sometimes it's even easier to sell the higher price one because people that level, if you got the right message and you understand them and they understand you, 
Sometimes it's like, okay, that sounds fine. Let's go. And and the other thing is, if they can afford to put the twenty thousand down, it, they obviously can afford it, and they're not going to miss it. Whereas someone putting a hundred dollars down, sometimes that's the last one they got. Right. Yeah. And I, I, as much as I love those people, I, I can't. I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not for them. Right. It's, I'm not, it's nothing to say about about them. But the point, the trouble is, when that money means so much to them, they want a result like tomorrow. Yeah, they should be doing something else. They should be just getting a second job right now. <laughs> they need so much. You know, so yeah. yeah, I can really see the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So, I mean, did that start your publishing empire? Because I see you've got loads of books behind you. Are they all yours behind you? Yeah, yeah. Those are all ones we produced from uh, athletes to uh, politicians, criminals. Uh, sometimes it's the same thing. Um, a lot of business people. Um, yeah. We've done about 275 or some number one bestsellers. Oh, wow. On, on Amazon. And these are all ghost-written books, basically, for other people. About half of them are. Other half are people who already had their book done, and we just, you know, launch it and you know, launch it for them. Mm-hmm. But over half of them, we had, yeah, we had a ghostwriting journalist editing team that pulled it together for them. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, getting me back. So this is the journey for you. So your passion, your your passion seems to be lighting, you know, bringing other people to the fore. If my now, yeah. It? I I am so lucky to hear the most amazing stories to the most incredible people. And you know, it's, it's people that otherwise nobody knows about. Like one of my clients, um, he, uh, you know, he's, he's friends with the Gandhis, right? I mean, he, uh, he came to the US, he graduated college at 14. He's got 15 patents. One of his patents, a little thing you've heard of, it's called GPS when oh, he worked okay. at NASA. So, um, and I've got, you know, people who've, uh, um, well, he, the, the largest uh, the largest criminal enterprise in the United States, you know, the, the granddaughter is doing a book about their uh, their meth labs and whatnot. I mean, it's a wide variety of people from uh, but they're people that have, have made an impact in the I'm world. I'm assuming I'm assuming the, the, the criminals have been caught and she's just. Well, yeah, they're actually mostly gone. Um, <clears throat> it was back in, a while ago, um, but I have a couple that were, um, you know, you know, done time and they're out. Yeah. Um, one of them, he deserved it, right? He was he ran the largest point shaving scandal in sports history. Right. Um, called No Gray Areas back there. Um, the other guy is not published because there are still some things going on, but he didn't do anything wrong. He actually uh, was helping people get off of the opioid addiction. And the method he was using is not sanctioned by the U.S. government. Um, it's a whole nother thing that's very crazy, but... Um, you know, he can't publish right now because there's some other ongoing stuff that's happening to him. So I can't talk about it too much, but it's, uh, he shouldn't, he should have done those few years he did and he may be in trouble again for helping people. Yeah. 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 But regulation sometimes does strange things, isn't it really? So no, it's, it's, it's actually evil. Yeah. Because they're, you're allowed to write as many opioid prescriptions as you want, but the one drug that you can take to get you off that addiction, they limit how many of those you can write. Right. Why? Why? Right. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to go down the conspiracy route, but that's pretty clear evidence. They don't want us to be healthy. It's like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. These are rabbit holes we can go down and perhaps best avoided. (laughs) Not today. Another time, maybe. So, all right. I mean, we touched on it. What is your success model now? Do you, do you have a model of that? You just, how do you define success for yourself? You know, success is a funny word. So it's so, um, it's everyone's open to their own interpretation of it. 
Um, a lot of people use the, the measurement of you know, money and value of success, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that, actually. Um, making an impact, however, is something that's really funny because people use these terms, um, you know, influencer, authority, expert, and, uh, or thought leader, my favorite one. Oh, I'm a thought leader. My, my oh. sense of those, those words is you shouldn't use them yourself. Thank you, Paul, my new best friend. The yeah, minute people, you can call say your... that, people can say that about you and you can, you can quote them, but you cannot use it yourself. <laughs> no, it makes you sound arrogant, right? I was, thinking, said... I was thinking asshole, actually, but there we go. <laughs> you can say that. Yeah, it's your show. I'm like, wait a minute. The difference between arrogance and confidence is who is doing the telling here. So, yeah, if you're, if you're talking, if you call yourself a thought leader, then, yeah, you're, you're kind of a jerk. So I hate that term. I wrote a blog post. I haven't published this post because I don't want to get in too much trouble, but I can't, I can't stand people say it because it's like, I'm sorry, Master Jedi. You're able to control my thoughts, really? You know, <laughs> and even influencers like, yeah, you sell, you sell jeans on Instagram. You're an influencer. Good for you. You know, I'm, I'm much more in line with people like my clients who can make an impact and do make an impact in their community. Mm. You know, I, I've got one guy I'm working with who's, you know, he's going to, his book is about, being a good dad, right? And he came, he was raised without one. Mm. So his, he's tilting way, way down that uh, other side of the pendulum of really helping out. And uh, his wife is a CEO of a national domestic abuse hotline. So between the two of them, these people are going to save lives. Um, we may, um, may or may not know about them a hundred years from now, but there'll be people along the way who will. And that to me is impact, right? Mm. Might not be a lister stuff, but I'm more interested in making an impact and getting, uh, you know. It sounds like to me like success and contribution are very linked to you. Yes. I, um, last year, matter of fact, we had, I was talking to my business coach about this. He's, I record my, my sales calls and uh, he listened to two of the calls. He said, you know, Doug, you're talking to this one guy. You're really excited and motivated. And he's fed on your energy. The second call I listened to, you were kind of indifferent, almost cold to the guy. And I said, yeah, he was talking about money, making money. He was, he was a American Ninja Warrior, you know, guy. And like, I, it just didn't interest me. He said, well, why did you talk to him? I, I needed the business. I want to do a book. He said, well, if, if you stop talking to people you don't want to work with, I bet your business will go up. I said, hold on a minute. You want me to talk to less people and see my business go up? He said, yeah. I said, well, I'm paying you money for this advice. So I'll dry it. And uh, lo and behold, pandemic aside, business grew 300% last year. It will. And I, I, well, I mean, look, even on this podcast, I can tell the difference. Yeah. So you talked about your, um, you know, your real estate business yeah. and it was, uh, yeah, 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 real estate. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And, but when you talk about this business, I can hear the difference in the energy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? And, and I, and I think in some ways, you know, I'm a great believer the universe gives you what you need. So like you needed yeah. to drop the unit, that business because this is where you should be. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the people I, I work with, they're, they're actual angels. They're actually making a, a dent in the universe. And if I can be one small part of that and just lift them up and, and, you know, kick a little birdie out of the nest, then yeah, I love it. Mm. Yeah. So uh, contribution clearly is supporting these people. What else, how do you else, how do you else do you see your contribution in the world? <clears throat> um, Having fun, not taking things so seriously. Good plan. You know, um, I haven't watched a full newscast in probably 30 years. And 
I've seen snippets here and there, you know, when tragedy strikes, okay, what's going on with 9-11 or this pandemic thing? Okay, fine, I'll check it out. But um, I'm not sure what it's like over there across the pond, but here we don't really have the news anymore. Um, there's a couple of propaganda stations that want to make you think and feel something and sell more ads by putting the danger red colors and all stuff. But I, um, I find it really troublesome that smart people don't see how they're being manipulated. It's like, really? You don't see that? You don't see why they're using those adjectives and what they talk about a leader or whatnot? It's like, they don't, they're trying to make you feel bad for a reason. They're dividing people mm. because that's, um, it sells more ads and other agendas aside, it's just, it works. And so I, 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 plug, I unplugged from that stuff years ago. And uh, even last year when I was, on, I was not watching news, but I was on social media a lot. And, you know, before my business leapt up to a high level, it was kind of stagnant for about 40 days, no new clients. And I went for a, you know, long bike ride and some nature. I'm like, wait a minute. Those trees aren't participating in the coronavirus and those birds don't even know what, what COVID is. They seem pretty happy. I'm going to hang out here in nature, right? So I, I sat there, I'm like, well, how can I run my business from the woods? You know, <laughs> going to really work. So I said, well, what if I just don't go on any media? So I called my social media manager up. I said, hey, change my password because I know that I'm addicted. Change my <laughs> password. I don't, want, I don't want to have any access for 30 days. So I couldn't get on anything for a month. That's when my business really took off that and not talking to, you know, uh, people I didn't want to talk to. And I realized that even in that, if you've seen the movie um, Social Dilemma on Netflix, mm -hmm. they spend millions of dollars refining the like button so we can sell more ads. And it's not designed for anything other than manipulating and, and, and really dividing people. So I got off that stuff. I don't go on for more than a few minutes every couple of days. And I'm happier. I don't take life so seriously. You know, I know tragic tragedy happens. I know people get killed every day and there's things I hear about from my parents or my, you know, for other people, did you hear about this? I'm like, no, not really. He goes, oh, it's horrible. I'm like, do you also do crack cocaine? Like, what are you talking about? So you're putting this negative stuff in your brain right now from the media. Why are you doing that? Well, I gotta be informed. Why? Well, you gotta know what's going on. Why? It's a, it's know, a bloody it's, good question, and, and I, I don't watch any TV news. I have to yeah. I get a little bit too much news from social media. Yeah. Uh, and I'm hooked into that, and, and I agree with you. It's very addictive. It's very hard to just switch off. It's very they, – they make it addictive. Watch, have you seen the movie Social Dilemma? I didn't – I know about a Social Dilemma, and I've avoided the movie because I didn't want it confirmed to me. <laughs> oh, it's not just confirmation. It's, it's validation, and it's it, – they're having leaders, the leaders – from some of the top ones, Pinterest, a bunch of other ones. Oh no, they don't have their own kids going that crap. Just, I'm suggesting you watch it. Cause yeah, I, I think I'm going to need to, but, I, but as I said, I've been kind of avoiding it because I know exactly. I, well, I, I'm a digital marketer. I know how the damn stuff works. So, so it's, um, well, it, it works at even a deeper level than we realize though. Yeah. Of course it does. Because the, no, the, alg the algorithms are whole designed to kind of, kind of yeah. keep, keep, keep the happy juice right. flowing. No, I, I read a, I read a study about cell phones and um, how they are actually uh, there's like actual like endorphin spikes by or and, and negative ones. If you're away from your phone for more than six feet for more than a, uh, an hour, it's like there's people who are chemically addicted to the device in their hand. Hmm. 
Anyway, this is definitely a rabbit hole that we could go running down. So uh, clearly you're, you contribute to yourself by being in nature. What else do you, how else do you contribute to yourself? Because I always think that's quite interesting to hear people's self-care. Oh yeah, yeah. N- nature's awesome. Um, my, my son's really big into health and fitness. So he's got me, you know, to, to work out. You know, a couple of <laughs> years ago, I was a little more frumpy than I am today. So um, anytime you move your body, it's always a good thing. So I like, I like doing that. And uh, traveling, I'm big on traveling. So it's been a it's been a weird year and a half where I was unable to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. Spent a little time in Brazil and Panama, but I need to get out again because I love seeing the world and meeting new people and exploring cultures and all that. That's that always is very refreshing from an American standpoint because oh my, when I when I do see things here, people talk about you know stuff in our country, and I'm like you do realize we're only five percent of the global population, right? It's like everything revolves around this place. I'm like, not really, no. But they want us to think that. All the media says all about, you know, it's all about our stuff. That's why I miss I miss Al Jazeera. When I travel, I like I watch a little bit of Al Jazeera because it's actual world news. Here, nothing. We're, it's we're quite a, fascinating oh. to think how centric we are. I mean, the same in the UK. The UK. I mean, the UK is, is London centric. Yeah. And as an ex London, yeah. as a Londoner. I know exactly because when I lived there, as, as, as I, I was London centric as everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the joke here is that when you drive out of London, you get t- 10, 20 miles out of London, not even that, 10 miles out of London. On the main road, there's the word the north. <laughs> you, so, you're going uh, to the north. You're going to the north. If you're not north, up, the north. The yes. north. So that's it, the north. It's like, okay, that's where it starts. Just past Watford. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Uh, so there we go. Anyway, yeah. um, look, contribution is great. What's the one question you like people to ask you? Oh, well, it, it'll, it'll bounce back to a new question for them. But um, that's the should idea. Should I write a book? Oh yeah. Should I should I write a book? And but Doug, Doug, should I write a book, mate? I don't know. What do you think? What? And here's here's the, the questions I ask them when they tell me I want to write a book. I, I sometimes to bring it back to them. Okay, well, what can you say that hasn't already been said? Well, that is a challenge for everybody. And it, it, most time they don't have an answer. Like very, very, very infrequently do they have something to say that and even if they try. I'm like, I read that one, you know. But um, for everybody who has an idea, understand those ideas have come from somewhere, right? We don't really invent anything. We're regurgitating stuff, which also is our to our benefit because. Let's say that you want to, um, uh, you know, write a book about leadership or self-development. And my question to you is, what can you say that Tony Robbins doesn't say better? Good question. Uh, nothing. Okay. Let me help you with that because some people don't like that guy, but maybe they'll like you and maybe your message or more importantly, your perspective on the same issue is unique enough that someone else will go, whoa, I've heard it before, but the way you're saying it makes more sense to me. So that's the answer to why there is more than one book on leadership out there because mm-hmm. a different perspective or different take on a different angle, male, female, left, right, doesn't matter. That different perspective will help that author resonate with somebody that the other author cannot relate to. What is interesting to me from what you've said is that, and you're an example of it, write a book for your younger self. Ah, yes. Because you wrote, in a way, you did that because that CD that you listened to was your trigger point and it was almost yeah. your own book. <clears throat> you teach that what you most need to learn. You write the book that you most want to read. Yes. 
Fascinating. Now the danger with the danger with that is I've read some books like I'm doing one now for a guy. It's like kind of reads like a diary. You know, you really want to make yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, yeah, and you got to make sure it's written well. <laughs> you got to make sure there's someone someone else is interested in what you have to say. Yeah, which is what we do. We do a lot of research. We don't just say, "Hey, let's go do a book." We'll take that author's idea and create five or six sample book covers, table of contents, um, do some focus group work on it, do some research on competing books, and really make sure that whatever he wants, he or she wants to talk about, we make sure that that audience is going to say, "Yeah, I want to, I want to read that book." That sounds, like a, great, that sounds re- like a great service. I mean, obviously, yeah, it is, and it's worth the money because because to try and do that level of research yourself would be very difficult. And it's hard because it's you're 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 um you're going to be skewed because it's your it's something you're, you care about, right? Mm-hmm. When we do it for the client, hey man, you're going to pay us some money. We're going to do the research. Chips fall where they may, mm-hmm. right? If your idea is really great, we'll know. If mm-hmm. it needs tweaking, i.e., it's not so good, we'll tweak. We'll help you tweak it to make it good. We'll run a test again until people start saying yes, I want to read about that. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have the audience first, oh my gosh, you're going to invest months of your life, tens of thousands of dollars into something which nobody cares about. Yeah, find the audience That's first. That's dangerous. Always good to find the audience first. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't do with this podcast as it happens, but that was That's because right. this podcast wasn't created for that purpose. But it's found its audience now, which is I'm very delighted at. All right, that's good. So how do people get in touch with you and who are you looking to speak to? Ah, they can get to touch you by um, going to... Um, uh, realbestseller.com forward slash go. Um, dougcrow.com is my main website, but my author one, one that I can actually help them with their idea is realbestseller.com forward slash go. Um, people I love talking to are people who have got this. They've either been told they should write a book by somebody else, mm-hmm. or they've got this feeling like, you know what? I really need to get this story out. And it could be their story, their journey. As long as there's a benefit to the reader, I'd be happy to chat with them and see if we can help them out with that. And don't be too do, dissuaded by the, the hoity-toity VIP clients that pay a lot of money. We also have a, 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 um, a group uh, done with you program where I help people who need that guidance, who do want to outsource it, but we just help you manage it yourself versus us doing it all for you. It's a <clears> lot more affordable to most people. A done with you program sounds like really useful because that's half the challenge, I think, in all these yeah. things. Is, is, is well, that- we do some of the work for them. We actually will make your book a bestseller, <laughs> put you in media, we just let you manage the ghostwriting process because that is takes the most amount of time um, to, to pull it off. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So all those links will be available at lifepassionandbusiness.com. I'm, I'm guessing you are on social media or you're not on social media. I am. I'm on LinkedIn <clears> and uh, I'm actually on Facebook as well. And uh, that's about it. There's, there's maybe a Twitter. Are, feed are you but... there or are you ghosting that? Is someone else doing it for you? Um, no, I go on every couple of days. Okay. You know, Okay, so you can get hold of Doug on social media. Yeah, yeah, LinkedIn's LinkedIn's the best well, one. Okay, um, Facebook's okay, but I don't check Messenger more than once a week. Okay, well, um, I guess so. But yeah, you can go to, it's um LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash the Doug Crow. Fine, we'll That's find it. Profile. We'll, we'll uh, put the links in, in right, everywhere, so, so people will find the links on the podcast app here, or they'll also find it at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. Outstanding. So Doug, this has been a great conversation. It brings Thank us you. to that last, last question, the big uh, one. What's the okay. meaning of life for you? Meaning of life for me? Wow. It's, um, there's, there's one rule that rules them all. It's just like Lord of the Rings, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, if you take a look at every single religion and had to boil it down to <clears> one rule, this would probably work. And that's the golden rule. 
is to treat people the way you want to be treated. If we did that, life would be a bowl of cherries, man. Wouldn't the wealth be a better, wouldn't it be a better place? Yeah. So whenever you get in an argument, whenever you're thinking, when you make a decision, if you treat the other person the way you want to be treated, you're going to win. Mm. And the hard part about that is when you got some bad news. <laughs> it's like people say, I want you to be honest. Like, really? <laughs> you, know? you got bad breath. You know, what are you going to say? You got to be honest, but you got to be nice about it too. Yeah. Yeah. So. You're going to love, you got to treat people there as you want to be treated. How would you want to be right. talked about? How would you want to be, be about your bad breath? I want to be told in a nice way. <laughs> Try and mint, whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> that's the meaning, meaning of life for me is if you, if you do that, um, everything else is, uh, will work. Uh, a lot better. Well, Doug Crow, it's been a joy to talk to you. Thank you so Thank much. You, Paul. All the best. Appreciate it. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Doug Crow. If you have a book in you or you've been told you could write a book, Doug and his team can help. As you heard on the show, he offers a high-end done-for-you service, but there are other options that include done-with-you plus other support services. All of this to help you promote and market that special book. You can connect with Doug on LinkedIn and at his website, authoryourbrand.com, or you can find him at dougcrow.com. Now, all those links are available at the website lifepassionandbusiness.com. And while you're there, do check out the other shows. There are over 300 conversations, all unique stories that teach a little bit about life and its mysteries. Do you know, since starting this podcast in 2018, I have seen my life shift and change as I develop my coaching. And I use the tools and practices I've discovered from my guests and from my own research. Now, one of those processes is the three steps to daily success, a simple tool that takes just five minutes to transform your day. You can find that at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, we all love listening to podcasts. You know, I am the same. I listen to lots of podcasts a week. But do we ever take the time to support our content creators? Now, I know it's hard. If you're like me, listening to a show is a secondary activity and I'm not always well placed to make comments or give a review. And that is why I make time each week to think about what I've heard and what I've enjoyed and what I've learned. I do this at my desk so I can share anything with friends that might be supportive. And I also take the time to write a review or add a comment if a show or speaker has given value. I know it's difficult, but it really is Important, I think, to try and support people who are helping me on my journey. So if you can take a little time to support shows that you are enjoying, it really does help grow that audience. And more to the point, it helps people like yourself find good podcasts. So if you can support us or any other your content creators, please do so because you know it helps us all. It really does. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much, as always, for being on the journey with me. And again, thank you for your time and attention. I will catch you next time. All the best.